You're listening to the Fix My Feet podcast. Solutions for every step in your journey with the nation's leading foot and ankle specialists. While walking, you exert about three to six times your body weight onto your feet. By the end of the day, that can be a few hundred tons, which is equal to 24 semi-trucks. Your feet support your entire body, but what supports your feet? Custom-fitted orthotics can last about 10 years and are doctor-approved to help your feet take the pressure of your everyday life. To book your fitting, go to www.prfootandankle.com now and click the Request Appointment button. We look forward to seeing you soon. Welcome everybody back to the Fix My Feet podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Dr. David Waters, a board-certified foot and ankle surgeon here in uh, Nebraska at Platte River Foot and Ankle Surgeons, here with my awesome co-host, Dr. Evan Leonard, surgeon, foot and ankle surgeon, and Ashley Anderson, RPA. How are you guys doing? Doing well, thanks. Doing great. Awesome. Ready to rock. Another great episode coming everybody's way. Today we're going we're gonna to start a small series that probably go forward periodically, but reviewing some interesting cases or cases that uh, people might find interesting common pathologies and things that we do with them. And so we're going to review a case today about bunions and talk about, uh, you know, the evaluation of bunions and what exactly a bunion is. If you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see the slides uh, that we're sharing. If you're just listening in the car, hopefully we can paint a wonderful picture with you with our for you with our words uh, about what a bunion is. But uh, today we're going to start with mid 40 year old uh, female who came to the office. She's I think it's been about over a year ago or so, complaining of uh, pain to the medial. When we say medial, the inside part of her great toe joint, which had been there for some time and having difficulty uh, with uh, wearing certain types of shoes or certain types of activities. And these are uh, symptoms pretty consistent with the bunion deformity. Dr. Leonard, what might be some other symptoms that patients might present with, or if patients are wondering if I have a painful bunion, things they might be experiencing uh, similar to the case we're discussing today? Yeah, pretty commonly patients will have issues, you know, sometimes they have pain with walking, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have a problem fitting into some or most shoes. They've tended to drift more towards sandals or something that's really spacious or uh, mesh to kind of take some of the pressure off the foot. Um, a lot of times in conjunction with a bunion, they'll get some issues with the second or, you know, some of the smaller toes as well as they have to move out of the way. And there's some different changes that go along with the weight bearing there um, as the bunion progresses. So um, it's pretty variable in presentation, but generally there's some sort of pain um, that's limiting what they can do on a day-to-day basis. And whether that's in and out of shoes or just in shoes, um, we kind of see a, see it all from that standpoint. Since we're talking about, you know, bunions and pain, you know, a lot, I get this question all the time, you know, when, when is the right time to do bunion surgery or should I do bunion surgery? Your thoughts about, you know, I know there's a lot of different opinions out there about that, but non-painful bunions, should those be operated on Dr. Leonard's in your opinion? I always tell patients, no, I'm sure someone would disagree with me somewhere, but if it's not hurting you now, it might feel worse after surgery, just with the innate risks involved. So I tell people to wait until it's affecting their day-to-day life um, so that we can actually get some improvement from the surgery and have some predictable outcomes that way. 
um, versus doing it for aesthetic reasons. I really don't recommend that. Yeah. I mean, there's risk inherent with surgery and uh, nerve damage, things like that could easily be part of it. You know, so undertaking surgery on something that's not painful, definitely inherit you're inheriting some risk there. And so I would tend to agree uh, with uh, Dr. Leonard's on that. So uh, Dr. Leonard's mentioned this a little bit, although this case is not particular to this, although you can see from the x-ray, the encroachment of the big toe into the area of the second toe. Uh, Ashley, some things that we kind of see on that second toe that relate to the bunions, uh, patients might be wondering, you know, what's my toe doing sticking up or something like that? Like what, what might they see with bunions and second toes and how they relate together? Yeah, commonly. So because the weight is getting distributed towards the outside part of the foot more than that inside where that toe should be taking the weight, more weight goes onto usually um, that second toe. And then if the big toe is getting in the way of the second toe, it can start to hammer or curl. And so then you're not getting full weight along the second digit either. So then it goes on that second metatarsal head, which is just that joint that is bending in that ball of your foot. And so a lot of people I know I've seen in the office, they'll have pain along that bottle along the ball of their foot because of a bunion and their big toe won't hurt at all but it's yet the second or the third toes and ball of their foot that hurts instead so sometimes because of that weight distribution you can get pain under there you can get calluses um different wounds stuff like that um and so that's one of the reasons to fix a bunion as well as if that toe is it will continue to try to encroach on those other smaller toes and it will definitely shift how those toes are holding putting weight on the foot and um, can make it a more painful situation if you don't fix the bunion yeah uh, one common question i always get dr leonard's on these you know where that second toe is involved you know, can't you just fix my second toe or do you got to fix my bunion and the second toe? Uh, your advice to patients who are probably dealing with that combo deformity of a bunion and then a, a hammer toe, hammered second toe, your thoughts about that? Yeah, I have that conversation a lot. And just for the reasons Ashley said, you know, they, they have pain on the second toe. They're annoyed by the toe hammering. It's rubbing on their shoe. Um, they've got a callus under there that bugs them. Bunion doesn't really hurt. They just kind of want that hammer toe fixed. And so, Gonna have to talk about the root of the problem, what's causing that hammer toe, what's causing that improper weight distribution. And we can straighten that toe, fix the hammer toe, but the deforming force is still there with the bunion and the big toe coming over and encroaching in that area. So um, that is a conversation you have to have sometimes about um, correcting both, um, regardless of where their pain is, because the pain is caused essentially by the bunion and the other symptoms are arising because of that. Yeah. I mean, I just tell patients all the time, I fi if I fix that toe and don't fix the bunion, we're going to be back fixing that toe again in a short, short amount of time. And so you got to address the whole deformity and that's what we're trying, we try to do and educate patients about. So, uh, you know, back to this case, a mid, mid 40 middle-aged woman with the pain in the inside part of her first metatarsal phalangeal joint where, where you have a bunion, um, and just looking at these x-rays, if you can describe them, Evan, and explain to our listeners, you know, what exactly a bunion is, what we are, what we look at on an x-ray to kind of see what, uh, what, whether you have a bunion or not. 
One of the main things we're looking at with bunions, you're not looking so much at the prominence. That's a lot of what people feel clinically, you know, on the inside of the the big toe joint where they have that bump developing. But we're looking at the the movement of that bone, that first metatarsal away from the second metatarsal and the gap between those two bones. That kind of is a, a quick glance at an x-ray at a kind of a broad severity level. You can kind of break it down into three main categories, a mild, moderate, or severe and then with how much the big toe is shifted over that can you know complicate other things um, you're going to want to be able to look at the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and see if there are any arthritic changes into that joint because that's going to um, determine a little bit about what the procedure of choice would be for fixing it um, and then you also want to get three views that you can kind of see um, you know the the structure of the foot in different planes and um, make sure that um, if there's no other deformities that are going on in the foot that are contributing to the bunion because it can be um, exacerbated by uh, certain other things such as if the patient has a flat foot deformity or something like that so you want to be able to you know take the whole picture in before um, deciding on appropriate procedure yeah great well said ashley here here we are we got this 40 year old female she comes to the office she sees you you're working her up, you get an x-ray, just like Evan said, she's got telltale signs of a, a bunion deformity. What are her, what are her options or any 40 year old female or male who might be in the same situation? What are their options for treatment? So there's non-surgical options and that's usually trying to use like toe spacers. There's bunion pads, um, different splints, stuff like that, orthotics to try to support underneath that first metatarsal and try to prevent the like flexing down of that or plantar flexion of that great toe. Um, if there was arthritis involved, could possibly do a steroid injection in that joint. It's not going to get rid of the deformity in any way. A lot of the non-surgical treatments is just managing symptoms. So if someone doesn't have very much pain, a lot of this cannot be reversed with uh non-surgical or just conservative treatments. And so then if it's something that's really painful, they've tried some of these other conservative options and they want to discuss surgery, there are multiple different types of bunion surgeries. And so then it would be going into more of the procedures of trying to actually fix the deformity through a surgical standpoint. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, I get a lot of questions about this, Dr. Leonard, to your opinion, or at least some education for our patients about things like bunion splints or bunion pads. A lot of patients come in with the misconception that those are going to correct their deformity. Uh, if they wear those, uh, your, your thoughts about that. I mean, I tell them if it's making it feel a little bit better, it's probably not hurting anything, but it, like Ashley said, it's not going to correct anything. It's only working while it's on like most things are. And over time people get tired of wearing things day in, day out. It doesn't, fit in shoes very well. A lot of the ones I've seen. Um, so it's, it's just a temporary thing to try and give you a little bit of pain relief. And a lot of times I feel like people do worse with them because there's more space being taken up in their shoe. There's more pressure going onto the inside of that foot where they're already getting pain. Um, and with very little benefit in terms of long-term correction, because there's just no treatment from a splinting standpoint. Yeah. I mean, and the important thing, I think just as it was said, these, that's not a correction of the deformity. 
and it is very difficult wearing shoes. I, I've not found one where I thought they could comfortably go inside of a shoe at this point. A pad maybe, but not a, not a splint that, you know, tries to torque that uh, great toe back into a, a normal alignment uh, of the joint. And so uh, I think having proper expectations, if you if you want to use a splint yeah, and it, it makes it feel better, then absolutely, by all means, go with that. But don't be under the assumption uh, that, and the way these get marketed sometimes is that they will, you know, correct the deformity. That's not going to happen with these splints. So uh, these are structural deformities. And in order to uh, correct them, they require uh, surgery to correct the structure of the foot. So uh, each deformity needs to be evaluated individually. That's why if you have a painful bend, you should definitely make sure you get evaluated uh, uh, in, and have somebody who's a experience to can get you the right kind of procedure but in general ashley what are what is the goals what are the things we're trying to accomplish with surgery and bunion deformities i mean for surgery itself is most likely the the goal would be to improve pain and improve function of the foot so we're reestablishing that alignment which should be right. in a neutral position so we're trying to create normal pressure throughout that first that great toe and then also through evenly throughout those lesser toes as well and so that way there's just equal pressure throughout that foot for pressure no matter what procedure is used yeah is well, well said i mean the goal is is to reduce pain and, and restore alignment of the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and that can be done about through a number of different procedures um and the finding the right procedure is a really a good discussion you need to have with the surgeon of choice uh, for you uh, to get that kind of alignment. Uh, and so I'm going to show you this other one real quick. So this is just uh, one example of something that we could do during surgery. And this is a common procedure uh, that we use. So for this patient, you know, based on deformity and based on uh, the uh, mobility and instability, which Dr. Leonard had talked about earlier, we decided to do a fusion of the first tarsal metatarsal joint, uh, also known as a lapidus procedure. This allows for a correction uh, in all three dimensions of the deformity. Uh, when we deal with deformity correction, we always look at all three planes of the uh, deformity. And in medicine, we call those the frontal, transverse, and uh, sagittal planes. But essentially, we're looking at deformity side to side, up and down, and rotational uh, types of deformity. And so this procedure allows us uh, all three, uh, the ability to correct the deformity in all three of those planes of, of the body and, and of the deformity. And so it simply, you know, we do do a little fusion of the, of the first tarsal metatarsal joint, uh, which allows us to put that metatarsal back in the correct position, back over the sesamoids, um, which is what was done here. And you can see here, if you're watching along uh, from preoperative to postoperatively. I think uh, some of the concerns that patients have is when they hear that word fusion and what that's going to be like and things you can help patients to understand, you know, we're, we're fusing a very small joint uh, in the foot here and, and what they might expect or ways to put their minds maybe at ease about this fusion. Yeah, I'd say that most most patients that do undergo this procedure have definitely a little bit of some change in how they need to work on their gait and stuff like that. But overall, they adapt quite well and just kind of learn, like I think Dr. Leonard's has mentioned in another podcast, if you're listening to our last one, is that the joints around 
this joint will also kind of just take the load off in different ways. They'll adapt and change so that this part of the foot is now rigid, but then the other joints around it will kind of take some of that load and distribute it as well. So most people do pretty well and it's just trying to slowly get used to the new function. But every, I mean, patients that we have had to have this procedure with this fusion, it's still, they're quite active and doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the literature that's out there just to educate patients in the foot, we there's, there's lots of joints in the foot. And so some of these small joints are deemed what we call non-essential joints. So as far as the, the essential joints that are there needed for functional ability of the foot, these are some of these small joints are what we call non-essential. And so uh, fusing them really doesn't change your function uh, th- that much at all. It may, like Ashley said, require you to have a little bit of adaptation early on while you're getting used to how the foot is functioning. But in general, you go back to full function that you were at before, but without the pain that you had with the deformity. And so, uh, I, you know, I can very confidently tell patients you're going to resume normal activity and activity, same kind of activity you had before the surgery uh, afterwards. Um, uh, to get this uh, done. Now we did do a little adjunct procedure here, what we call Um And uh, Ashley, as best you can describe what that little, that little Aiken, those watching on that little staple up there in the big toe. Yeah. So in the big toe, there are two bones. And so the bone that's closest to the foot, not the tip of the toe, that's called your proximal phalanx. And so that is the bone that's connected at your metatarsal phalangeal joint. And so as that toe is shifting, that big toe is going closer and closer to the second toe. Sometimes even if you align the metatarsal like we did with this fusion, that toe will still want to be over there close to the second digit. And so what we do in this procedure is we just cut a little wedge out of that inside part of the bone, the medial side, and then kind of just push it over to align it and then put that staple in there to hold it closed. And then the bone will just fuse back together. So we're pretty much just trying to make it rectus or straight. Yeah. And just like we talked about, you know, from a bunion, if that big toe is over there, it can create you know, other problems of the second toe. And so it's just a little procedure to get that big toe back straight and not, hopefully not have any problems with the second toe uh, long-term uh, for the patients and, and pretty quick little uh, osteotomy procedure that we do. So like I said, the goals of this procedure were real simple for this patient, uh, reduce pain, improve function, and re- and restore alignment of the uh, first metatarsal phalangeal joint all of which were accomplished uh, with this surgery. Um, of course, uh, those listening will probably be curious about what recovery looks like for uh, this kind of procedure. Uh, generally, Ashley, how do we recover patients with this kind of uh, procedure? Since it is a fusion, we do keep patients non-weight bearing or no weight completely on their foot for two weeks. And then for the next four weeks, for that first like six weeks of wound healing or bone healing, um, usually a the, la- the last four of that are in a walking boot. And then once they've done, um, we get x-rays at the six-week post-op. And then as long as that fusion site is looking pretty good, they're able to start working out of that boot into their normal shoes. And then usually we do do some physical therapy just because there is a change. There's a fusion. They're going to alter their gait a little bit to help with that. And yep. then obviously there's swelling and stuff that sticks around longer, but they'll start to functionally be able to start working towards their shoes at about week eight or so. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great breakdown of the initial recovery uh, process. And so if you're curious, Oh, I've got a bunion, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, 
with work or with whatever. Um, that's generally with something like this. Now, each procedure has its little nuances, but generally speaking, you know, if you're moving bone, shifting bone, letting bone heal, about six to eight weeks it takes for bone to heal, whether that's fusion or uh, cutting the bone and repositioning. And so there's going to be some level of either non or protected weight bearing for those first few weeks uh, and then a transition over. Uh, I will say, you know, from my experience, bunions do well and in, in they transition pretty quickly as opposed to like a big hind foot fusion or something like that. That might take a little bit longer for transition and swelling to come down. Uh, you know, you're back in your shoes a quicker with a bunion than as, as opposed to some other procedures we did. So patient's doing well. I, th- I think we actually ended up doing her other side like six months later or so. And uh, she's been happy uh, with her outcomes and, you know, doing well back in her shoes, back to normal activity. Uh, and that's that's the goal of doing all this is uh, restore alignment, improve function. And so that certainly can be done with uh, bunion deformities. So if you're out there, you're struggling with bunion pain, don't know what to do with it. We encourage you to, to get a consult with a uh, foot and ankle surgeon and uh, have a discussion about what might be the best options. If that's surgery or if it's not surgery, there's other options out there as well for you. Anything else about bunions maybe, Ashley, that I've forgotten or do you think patients commonly ask about that we haven't talked about today? No, I don't think so. I do commonly also get the how soon should I fix it question and stuff like that. So I do usually say that if the toe is already encroaching on that second toe and you've got a big hammer toe, stuff like that, you kind of, even though that bunion might not hurt, it will continue to kind of go closer and closer to those lesser toes over time. So sometimes it just gets harder to fix, um, when it's really severe. So the larger they get, the more difficult they are to fix, the more invasive the surgery is. There's no question about, about that. And then I think the other thing you brought up, which is perfect. These are progressive deformities. It's slow. It's not like, you know, you're not waking up tomorrow and you're going to have the big toe underneath the second toe, but over the years, they do, you know, get progressively bigger. And of course, we have we have wonderful older ladies who are in our practice, and we love them to death. Uh, and they have that they have those uh, dreaded crossover toe deformities because they just, you know, they've waited so long to do anything about it, and now the first and second toe have kind of switched switch spots on them, and and in in shoeing those kind of feet become much more difficult at that point, and. And uh, there's some other things that come along. So, so they are progressive. You should know that um, it's slow, uh, but if it wearing shoes is becoming problematic um, and some of the other things become problematic, I think a surgical console is appropriate at that point. So yeah. awesome. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed discussing bunions are super common. I think the latest literature says uh, 40% of the population of the United States has a, some level of bunion, whether that's small or big. Uh, I watch people walking around sandals all the time, see if they have bunions or not. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, uh, we'd be happy to talk about those things with you in our office at any time. We are the foot fixers and this is the fix my feet podcast. Check us out on social media at Platte river foot and ankle on Instagram, Platte river foot and ankle surgeons on TikTok and Facebook, or check us out on Facebook, uh, fix my feet podcast until next time. We hope everybody has a wonderful day. Thank you for the listen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Fix My Feet podcast. To schedule an appointment with one of our providers, visit www.brfootandankle.com.